0: This episode of Checking In, Maria and I discuss what we've been doing. Maria has read a lot of books, and I've watched a lot of TV. Join us for another episode of Checking In, and as always, subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting hosting site. Uh, Welcome back to Checking In. Uh, Maria and I are back to talk about the stuff that we've been doing. So we'll just get right into it. So what have you been doing this past few weeks since our last it's recording? It's been
1: three weeks, I think. It's been a while. You went to Florida in between.
0: I did go to Florida in between.
1: Well, first thing I just wanted to bring up a clarification from the last part, podcast, when we were talking about Che, mm-hmm. Revolutionary Life. I did discover that you were correct that Che Guevara did speak at the UN in 1964 when he was Minister of Industries. And Fidel Castro also spoke, 1960, and it, his speech was the longest in UN hist- history, four and a half hours.
0: Is it still the longest speech?
1: As far as I know, yes. Well, that's, so, how, we,
0: that's how librarians do things. We correct ourselves when we think that we might be wrong yes, or right. Yes,
1: very, very important to do that. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to live with myself otherwise.
0: <laughs> well, now that, now that that's cleared up, okay. what have you been doing these past three weeks? Well, of
1: course, reading lots of books. The first I read was Lightly, How to Live a Simple, Stress-Free Life by Francine J. Um, I've been reading her for a while. She had a book maybe nine years ago called The Joy of Less, mm-hmm. which is different from the big Marie Kondo stuff yeah. that's going around. Um, she came first, actually, before Marie Kondo. Mm-hmm. And hers is more, it's, it's actually spiritual like Marie Kondo, but it's not so... Asian or Eastern philosophy, even though she does incorporate some of that into it. Yeah.
0: They're probably pretty similar because Marie Kondo's, I think it's sort of like seeing what you have. It's like, do you need all this stuff? But I think the goal of her spark joy is to realize just how much you consume and like realize that you don't need as much stuff as you think you do. So I think it's all about having more of a minimalistic lifestyle. Not so much like you don't need, you only need like one chair in your house, but Maybe you don't need, like, four, like, right. things or you not you never use once mm-hmm. type stuff.
1: Well, Francine Jay's philosophy, I don't know if, I don't think I read Marie Kondo's books, but Francine Jay, she goes into all aspects of your life, not just the house and your clothes, but also your mind, your schedule, your spirit. And I like the idea of how she clears out a room. She says, empty everything out because mm-hmm. if you don't see the space, then you're just going to, Mm -hmm. decide oh I want to get rid of this or I want to get rid of that but she says clear the space and then only decide what you want to put back so I guess she's similar to Marie Kondo in that but but she came before Marie Kondo. All
0: right maybe Marie Kondo's got some plagiarism uh, (laughs) lawsuits in her future.
1: No but she's only got two books like Marie Kondo as well but I don't think she's as well known but Again, you can't keep her books on the shelf either. Yeah. So I think you people Marie... want to do it, but I don't know
0: if they yeah. really do. I think Marie Kondo is just famous because that's what she does. That's like her job. I think she got famous in Japan for doing that because that's like her job, was like decluttering people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I think she ended up writing a book about her experiences with herself and then just like the types of people and stuff that she did, like help them out and stuff. I think she probably makes a whole lot of money doing that. Plus, she's got that Netflix show now. Too. Yeah,
1: Francine Jay's not that popular, but she does have a blog and she has been on TV, at, mm-hmm. uh, not TV, um, news and radio.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that a new book? This is, is a brand mean? new book, Lightly. Okay. How to
1: Live a Simple Stress-Free Life is, is brand new.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it seems to be very popular now. Uh, I don't have cable as you know, but mm-hmm. I know, is that Hoarders show still on?
0: I don't know if it is or not. I mean, I know it was on for a while.
1: Yeah, Um, that's an illness,
0: but... I'm not sure if it is anymore, because I don't have cable either. I think, you know, all that stuff comes in waves. I think, you know, it was hoarding now. Now it's, like, not hoarding. So maybe in, like, five years from now, it'll go back to hoarding, (laughs) because they didn't (laughs) heed the advice of Marie Kondo and this this woman right here. It's like, oh, we just ended up getting way more stuff than we need. Yeah. But I think that's just, like, an American problem, probably, because we're very socially engineered to consume things and buy stuff that we don't really need.
1: And wasteful things, like things you can't recycle very easily or fix very easily, mm-hmm. you know, so.
0: Yeah, it's hard to fix things now because a lot of the companies that make the things are pretty much against, like, the right to repair. That's, like, a huge thing that's going on right now because, you know, people buy these phones and electronics. and There's no repair manuals. You can't buy parts for them. And that's because the people that own the stuff don't want you to do that because they want you to go mm. through their channels to get all the stuff fixed and everything. And people think that it's a big deal for like phones, but a lot of the problem is like farmers can't repair their own equipment on oh, their own really? because like all that stuff's like, you know, patented and proprietary or something. So if they wanted to fix like their, you know, irrigation system, yes, they have to like go to like John Deere, whoever makes it for them to come out and do it for them
1: because oh. they have all the
0: parts. They can't buy okay. the parts in the stores. They can't hmm. do any of this stuff, even though they're probably pretty capable of fixing it themselves. Like they just don't have the ability to.
1: That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I remember many years ago when I was married that my then husband, he broke his razor or something like that, an electric razor, and couldn't they couldn't fix, they said they couldn't fix it. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a letter because I'm a big letter writer. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what do you mean you can't fix it? You know, you have the parts, why can't mm-hmm. you fix it? And they actually sent the parts for free after I wrote the letter. So mm-hmm. I'm always just <laughs> kind of asking and seeing because... I just like to buy quality materials and then be able to repair it if Mm -hmm. I can.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, before I just throw it in the, in the trash, but I don't even try to do that. I try to recycle responsibly. Yeah. So I have other things. Do you want to give a book and then I'll Um, come back to something else?
0: I'm re I finished reading the psychopath test the other day. That was another book by John Ronson. Was it as good? It was a little different. I like the, so you've been publicly shamed more as I think that's a little bit more relevant for what's going on now. Like this psychopath test was a little bit older and it was just sort of like an interesting way that he was sort of like into the madness business, like, cause he followed the guy that created the psychopath test, like Bob Hare, I think, created like all like these factors in terms like this test. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of went out and just sort of find psychopaths on his own that were like, just
1: walking around daily. Not walking life? around, but like he interviewed people
0: that were sort of were in the news and sort of like had like these, you know, possible psychopathic tendencies, but you know, were never committed or anything. Oh. So he sort of just like, started interviewing people and just was trying to judge them and see if they were. Did they know like why
1: they were being interviewed?
0: They did. Uh, they probably did. He he's a journalist. I wanted foremost, I want so you so want to I check I and
1: see if you're a psychopath.
0: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but it was like it was in, it was interesting to read because like the The person that created it, you know, said that, like, psychopaths are, like, hard to, hard to spot because, like, they're so good at blending in with society, even though they're not really part of society. Like, everything that they do is just mimicking behaviors because, like, they know what people are looking for. like, faking it. Yeah, faking it because they have no empathy, but they know, like, they're smart enough and clever enough to, like, be able to blend in. And that's what makes them so, so scary because, like, you never really know who's who, so to speak. And then, like, there's a... uh, a higher tendency for business people to be psychopaths just because of, i guess maybe the way that business works like <clears throat> they're just that like right. cutthroat because they're <laughs> like oh well 30,000 people are going to lose their job if they shut the plant down it's like okay just shut it down just like cold hearted mm-hmm. okay so were
1: these well known people that he Some of them were pretty well known interviewed
0: like, one of them like one of them was a british former mil- intelligence officer that sort of went off the rails I forgot what his name was, but like he was at MI five doing, you know, just you know, desk work, you know, doing all that. Then he sort of started like thinking that the London bombings that happened were staged, and everything. Oh, kind of like a hoax. Yeah, and then he sort of went even further. Like he claimed that he was the Messiah, down the road, oh, and dear. stuff. So they're sort of interviewing. <laughs> so he's interviewing him, and everything. And then he also went to like. Uh, mental institutions to talk to, like, oh, patients sure. that were there and stuff. Um, who, had it, who, had diag-
1: who had been diagnosed as a Who had been
0: diagnosed. And that it sort of was, like, this whole thing about Catch-22. Like, the one guy he, he, he interviewed said that he claimed to be a psychopath so he could avoid jail time, and then he thought he'd get out. But then when they put him in the institution, he started acting normal. They thought that was weird. So <laughs> like, the only way that, like, he could, like, actually prove that he was getting better was to first prove that he was a psychopath and then like get better after that. So just acting normal after he got committed, oh my gosh. they just thought that he was not. So
1: was he faking being a psychopath well, because he, he was that's a psychopath? He, well, that's what he claims.
0: <laughs> that's sort of what like the one doctor said that like, he's just doing this because he knows okay. like how the system works and stuff. And that's sort of like, well, what I guess that
1: makes sense. Sort
0: of what led him to believe that's why they're dangerous people is because like they're so charismatic and like, okay. they have like all that stuff and then sort of like went on to talk about like how the whole DSM got formed. That's like the, the
1: history of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And like it started out as like a 50 page thing that just sort of kept getting Bigger. revised and revised and now it's like at like 700 pages now mm-hmm. and they don't have. And then like, there's a propensity to like misdiagnose people with the wrong thing because they show some of the symptoms. And then it sort of like creates like that problem where like they create the DSM with all the mental mm-hmm. disorders and the pharmaceutical companies see that. They're like, well, we can medicate these oh, problems. Sure. So then that's sort of like this whole it's thing. Like it's like a like marketing tool it's a marketing for marketing them tool almost. marketing tool for the pharmaceutical companies. because okay. like, oh, if you have this, we can wow. prescribe this. And then it just sort of like a whole, you know, snowball effect mm-hmm. that, you know, they made it with good intentions cause they wanted to make sure that doctors and stuff had the tools. Sure. And needed to help people. And then, like, pharmaceutical companies were like, well, we have medicine sure. for them and all that stuff. So it was just really interesting to see all that because a lot of the people that helped make the DSM were pretty upset that they got yeah. involved with it.
1: Well, Well, I guess they can't help it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, did they bring up in that book or did the author bring up in the book Ted Bundy? Is no. he a psychopath?
0: He didn't bring him up. Okay. I was just always it curious. It might be like, you know, it might just be one of those things that he probably is.
1: Yeah, I always get psychopath and sociopath mm-hmm. mixed up. Well, apparently there's, so.
0: from what the DSM says, there's no distinction between the two really? anymore. Like, it's, like, basically the I bet
1: therapists say. would disagree, And but. psychopaths,
0: <laughs> apparently that's not, like, the thing anymore. I think it's called, like, antisocial disorder or something. Okay. That's what, like, the official name is.
1: Okay.
0: And it's, like, all-encompassing, like, psychopaths, sociopaths all fall into that same thing hmm. um, and stuff.
1: Fascinating. But yeah. kind of scary, too.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was a good read. Like I like you know his style, mm-hmm. like as he you know he embeds himself in the story. Like he's right. not just reporting. researching this. Like he's like reporting. Like he's doing his interviews and he's sort of writing it as it's happening, and then to sort of making okay. up his mind about good. all this stuff. But it was it was pretty good. I'd recommend well, it if I'll have just... to
1: check him out in mm-hmm. my long long list of books that I want to read. But so continuing from last time in the same vein of graphic memoirs. This time I actually read two graphic novels. I read The Handmaid's Tale, Mm -hmm. um, an adaptation of the book by Margaret Atwood Mm -hmm. and To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. And I read both of those books a very long time ago, the actual novels. Mm -hmm. And so when these new graphic uh, adaptations came out, I thought I'd pick Mm them up and both were excellent. They were really good. Um, The Handmaid's Tale is frightening in this day and age. I won't go into too much detail about that. And To Kill a Mockingbird was almost a big doorstop of a book like the Che Guevara book was. Mm -hmm. And again, that was a wonderful story that I hadn't read in a very long time. So Mm -hmm. I liked it. So do you think the medium
0: enhanced the story?
1: I think so. I think so, but, again, I, it's been a very long time since I read The Handmaid's Tale. I think I read it when it first came out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it's been a long time, so it kind of reminded me of that, and I believe that's made now into a, or going to be made it's into a, sh- a made-for-TV. Yeah, it's been out is for, it's it like three seasons already. Yeah, I have no inclination to see it. Reading the book is terrifying enough for me, so it's not I'll just pass. It's a show you
0: watch very slowly, probably.
1: Yeah, I just don't want to get sucked into that madness, so... Those are the only two graphic memoirs okay. I read. You're reading any graphics? I'm reading another.
0: I'm not reading any graphics right now.
1: Taking a break. We're not finding anything I catching mean, just, your fancy. There's
0: like so much out there. I know. Like I just don't.
1: I order some of them for I the library.
0: I don't like to read. Like I go in fits with my stuff. Like I'll read a bunch of fiction, or then I'll read a bunch of nonfiction, or I'll read a bunch of graphic novels, or I won't read anything.
1: So you cluster it all together. So I just
0: cluster all those. So I think it's you don't like good. I mix it up. I don't like to mix it up because I think you need, I need to be in the right frame of mind. I think when I'm in like a fiction mood, hmm. like my brain is more invested in fiction because I read nonfiction. I want to actually learn. Like I don't want to read it just to read it. Like I want to actually learn something sure. and like apply it okay. to the real world and just sort of gain knowledge. It's sort of a nonfiction kick lately because I'm reading this other book called The Test, and there's a whole bunch of – there's a subtitle to it that I don't have with me, but it's by Anya Kamenets and she's like a technology education blogger that's written about this stuff before but it's about how standardized testing is like making education like really difficult
1: mm-hmm.
0: for everything.
1: Is that and, a recent book?
0: Yeah I'm not sure how recent it is. I know there's a paperback so I know at least it's been printed twice but I think it came out maybe four years ago or so but I'd imagine that the problems that she you know argues in the book are still going on. That's still right. think you know kids are getting you know tested here and there and she says that that's like pretty much an epidemic. It's less so, like, high school, but, like, just getting to high school, they take so many tests, like, elementary school, middle school, then high school, that by the time, like, they graduate, they probably spent, like, a month or two just of taking hmm. or studying for, te- like, standardized tests.
1: I remember taking some in school, but... Not a mm-hmm. lot, like, I think one in fifth grade, one yeah. in eighth grade, and I'm, but that was a very long time ago. Yeah, because so. it's
0: all based on, like, the No Child Left Behind right. and, like, right. Race to the Top, I think, is, like, a new everything. one. And it's sort of, like, basically, like, like federal competency for all these things mm-hmm. when, you know, the schools aren't equal. So, like, they're trying to, like, make everything... Like, you need to be this competent, but, like, the schools are not the same. The the quality of education you get is not the same. You don't have the playing
1: field the same, then it's not. So she said that's
0: part of the problem. And it's also, you know, part of the problem is, like, students are, like, burned out. And everything, they're not actually learning anything. They're just trying to get the good grades. They're trying to get the good grades. So, like, there's, like, test manipulation. Like, it increases cheating by the students and by the teachers and the schools because, like, it's all tied to money,
1: and stuff so if they get
0: <laughs> they get good scores then they get you know more federal money or right. they get the government off their back sort of thing so students are more prone to cheating because they know how important it is to get a good grade on the test so they can maybe do other things and teachers know how important it is because it's their pay and their jobs are tied to like test performance sure. right. so like they have a they have a stake in the game and it, like the administration does too because like it's about money so like just like so far there's just been stories like you know students cheating teachers getting them the answers, or changing the answers after mm-hmm. the students have come in. And, like, there's one teacher who was pretty much just, he was just like, yeah, I changed this, the scores because, like, I don't care. Wow. Like, it doesn't matter, like, if they do on the sad. test or not. Just, like, whatever. Very
1: sad. Now, th- that book is from the library? Yeah, I got it. I got
0: okay. I got the Woods copy right okay. now in my bag. And I think I was looking for another book. When I picked it out and I saw it, I'm like, that's interesting. It's like, you know, I have a two-year-old. And mm-hmm. like this is stuff i worried about even before I had a kid. Like I don't Really? Yeah. I was like we should homeschool her because I like I don't really think that you're gonna Oh get, wow. I don't There's a lot of work
1: in that. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> but like I mean I'm just sort of worried about it because, you know, I'm like I don't know if kids are actually getting an education. They're just like getting educated. So I it's see. just sort of like I don't think they're actually learning anything of value. Like hmm. they're just like learning to be like if it's, you can't learn it, if it's not something that's going to be on a test, like, they're probably not going to, like, learn it. Oh, yeah, I see it. what you're saying. Sure. And, like, certain subjects are getting shafted, like, you know, arts and of course, social sciences. Yeah. Right. So there's a huge STEM push, which is fine, but, like, you push everybody into one field, then, you know, 20 years down the road, you know, they're going to have a bunch of unemployed STEM people. Right. Um yeah. And all that stuff. And, you know, they're not teaching critical thinking. You know, like, those soft skills that... That's very important. Critical thinking. You sort, of, you sort thinking. of, like, learn throughout your life. but yes. like, school doesn't teach you anymore. And, like, I know, like, there's arguments to be made that, like, community colleges shouldn't exist because, like, they're teaching you skills you should have learned in high school. Like, back in the day, you actually got right. a pretty solid education in high school. Yes. And then you could go and That's get a true. job. Right. Because there was all these things you could learn, like, you could, like, learn to sell. You could Basic do business. That's how I learned to type. All that stuff. And right. you had money management, mm-hmm. like, life skills. And then, like, sort of went away from that. They community call it co- adulting
1: now. Yeah. And then community <laughs> colleges...
0: Sort of teach you all the stuff that you should have learned in high school, and then then you can go off right. to college to get something else. And like, there's all these studies out there never that heard show of that, That's that like twenty percent or thirty percent of kids that get to college have to take remedial courses because they wow. didn't learn it or they didn't grasp the material yeah. well enough in high school. But somehow they were they being were left to, behind. <laughs> well, somehow they were able to like pass high school and apply to college without actually learning anything, which makes you wonder,
1: right? Pretty that much. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Did you read that? Did you pick that because with, I'm not even done with it. This oh, is just okay. Stuff that,
0: like I've inferred from the book and just stuff that I've read, just about in general, people's arguments and just stuff. But it just sort of worrying, like I don't like you know I'm the teen librarian. I see like the middle schoolers are like, yeah, I have, like yes. six hours of homework. It's like I didn't have uh, six hours of homework like no, ever, like, right? Like a month and I mean, right. did six hours of homework. I know. But I was like that student that just didn't do homework. I was fortunate enough to have a photographic memory, so I just learned it and sure. be done. Right, and you know, there's just so much pressure on the kids now to do well.
1: Yeah, they and don't everything. have playtime anymore either. because yeah, they're so worried opti- about getting ahead. Yeah,
0: gym is apparently optional now. So like, if you don't want to ah, take gym, welcome you don't obesity. To, you, don't, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to take gym. Like, you they offer it. Like, it's not required yeah. apparently. From well, right I'm here.
1: completely out of it because I don't have children. So yeah. I could see how you could be concerned, so worried be sure about that,
0: thinking about the future, even though she's got few no. years before it'll
1: go by really fast before it you know does it. go
0: by fast because two years has gone by pretty fast and mm-hmm. before i know it she'll be gone and i'll be like well that was fast Jeez. <laughs> but yeah just something i'm thinking about okay. I think. is that
1: why you read the book or was it on your list it was not on my list
0: i think i was looking for another book in, in that section or that you know area where the, where the where they're shelved and i was like oh that book sounds interesting so i picked this book and
1: What do they call it? Browsing the shelves, you found that, which is always a fun way to find Mm -hmm. good books. I haven't browsed the shelves in a long time. I order the books for the Mm -hmm. library, so I read a lot of reviews and hear Mm -hmm. news, and that's how I pick most of
0: my books. Yeah, but I'm not even done with that book yet. Okay. But I'm excited to read more about it, and she's got a bunch of other books, too. Like, she wrote a book called Generation Debt about my generation. Student
1: debt, yes. Just,
0: you know, like, yay. Right. It's like, we're not having kids. It's like, (laughs) well i wonder why um right but it's you know she seems to have like a pretty good finger on the pulse for like stuff like education like the intersection of education technology and like what you can do you know about it sure well
1: that sounds good Mm -hmm. that sounds really good another book i read was an american agent by jacqueline winspear that is the 15th book in the Maisie dobbs mystery series.
0: Is that the latest one?
1: That's the latest one. Okay. I've been reading her ever since her first book, just titled Maisie Dobbs, came out. And it's a very good mystery series along the lines of Louise Penny's series that I talked about last mm-hmm. time, but a different time period, different country.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It takes place in England between World War One and Two. And what I like about the series is it gives you really a picture of the people of England Mm -hmm. and wartime and put you in their shoes. Everything from a generation of women who never married because there were no men around Mm -hmm. to um, just the impending Second World War coming less than 20 years Mm -hmm. later. And another thing about this series is it's an improbable story about a woman who was raised to be in service, like as a maid, Mm -hmm. and These are changing times, so this is, like, maybe the 1910s, around that time. Yeah. And she goes to work as a maid because that's where her father works Mm -hmm. in a great house. And the lady of the house and her good friend, who happens to be a psychologist investigator, notice Maisie's, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say precociousness, but her desire to learn and want to read and educate herself. And they decide to make a radical move and take her from being a maid and mm-hmm. giving her an education which was unheard of at that yeah. time for someone of her class. So Maisie mm-hmm. Dobbs is the first book in the series and that gives you that history and then there's a sort of a mystery cuz she's being trained to take the place of
0: this man who mm-hmm. knows the, the great lady yeah. of the house. So Yeah, it sounds a lot like Downton Abbey. I don't know if you ever watched that show.
1: I but did like and I did not like, like, like it. I'm not mystery, a fan. <laughs> but it's
0: just no. sort of like just interesting, you know, how, you know, people mm-hmm. live. At the time, was that show started the Edwardian before, era before yeah. World War One? Yes, And right. it was just sort of like showing like the gradual change like in society. Mm-hmm. Like you had like the the lords or whatever that mm-hmm. were still around that owned all the land and all mm-hmm. that stuff, and the big had houses and the big houses. And right. then sort of like the world around them was changing because mm-hmm. the, and they were probably pretty much unaware of it because like they didn't do anything. Right. They were just
1: a life of leisure.
0: Yeah. Right. And then you know World War One broke out and sort of changed. Mm-hmm. You know the role of women and stuff. Like I remember was a storyline, like a maid leaves to become a journalist, and it was like a big yes. deal. And like their daughters, they all had daughters, and like it was all like still like a uh, dowry almost. It seems like right. they would always have like suitors coming. Yes, like that was like their only job as women was to get married off into mm-hmm. another like high class, right? You know, family
1: mm-hmm. and
0: keep it going. And then sort of like the whole upstairs downstairs, yeah, you know, dilemma yeah. and stuff. And, like, when it was, like, changing, it's like, what are the people who did all the housework do in a changing world mm-hmm. when they don't have right. an education or, like, other skills mm-hmm. and everything? So it's pretty pretty interesting. I'd like to learn more about that era.
1: Yeah, it takes – the first book takes place in that era, but it's very quick. And then before you know it, it's World War One, and then each book tells a case – and it's also her personal life, so that's a book series you cannot read, just jump in anywhere. Again, you mm-hmm. have to read it in order.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this last book, An American Agent, takes place during the Blitz mm-hmm. in London. So it's, um, it's a really good series, and I, I very much enjoyed it. And we did the first book in the mystery book group two years ago, and people mm-hmm. loved it. And again, like the Louise Penny series, every one I recommend this series to. Loves it. I can't mm-hmm. keep it on the shelves.
0: Have you guys so. done the second book of the series no, for your
1: book club? I might do it next year or the okay. year after. Um, mm-hmm. But if they remember the first book, I don't know. You know, some people have to reread. Maybe. But I've been reading it all along. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: another book I read. I just finished the nonfiction book. Uh, it's the trial of Lizzie Borden. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that case.
0: No, you told me about it. I sort of looked it up, but not too familiar. Kind with of it. creepy.
1: Um, I think most people have heard of Lizzie Borden, but Mm -hmm. if those who have not, it took place in 1892. It's a true story in Fall River, Massachusetts. Lizzie Borden was a spinster who was accused of killing both her stepmother and father with an ax in broad daylight on a hot August day. And she was arrested, tried, and found not guilty. And to this day, the crime is unsolved. Mm -hmm. But she was ostracized after the trial. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really creepy, sickening story, mm-hmm. <laughs> true crime. And you're probably wondering, why am I reading that? But many years ago, I watched a made-for-television movie starring Elizabeth Montgomery, who was in Bewitched. And she starred as Lizzie Borden, mm-hmm. this made-for-TV movie, which okay. was riveting and still kind of, I don't want to say gross, because mm-hmm. it was made-for-TV, but I don't see how mm-hmm. a movie about axe killings can be anything but kind of gruesome but it wasn't very graphic but she was very good and when i saw that made for tv movie i said i wonder about this case and so i started reading about it and i've read i think almost every book that has Mm -hmm. come out on the case so this particular book is written it just came out like this month Mm -hmm. and it's by kara robertson it's called the trial of lizzie borden and she is an attorney She's got a PhD, and mm-hmm. she actually just wrote the book about the trial. It's just about the trial process, about the defense, about yeah, the prosecution. Yeah, so that's sort of what I was sort of going
0: to try to ask you was, like, yeah. is it more about, like, the criminal justice system at the time just yes. wasn't equipped to, like, actually handle the amount of, like, evidence or well whatever they do? Like, they just didn't have cases that – one of our arguments that, like, was that, like, a case that changed how – No. It wasn't how they, like – prosecuted or did uh, no trials or anything. it was
1: more of how the defense the, the position the defense took to have her acquitted mm-hmm. and things they didn't bring up because they considered her a lady and you know one of the things was you know how could a woman do this you know this sweet spinster she Mm -hmm. could not possibly have wielded this axe so Mm -hmm. there was this kind of already obviously the context of the time that women are frail Mm -hmm. fragile to be protected and the defense played that up and the jury being made up all of men and really the evidence was all circumstantial. Mm-hmm. So again, following and she the way she presented it was very unbiased mm-hmm. which is how it was meant to be portrayed. Yeah. So she actually has you can vote if you think she's guilty or not on the website. <laughs> and personally I still don't think she's guilty, even mm-hmm. though all hands point to her. I think her sister Emma did it, her older sister. But
0: Is there she, any plot lines with that or threads? I about was surprised
1: that, that she didn't Bring Emma up very much. That's mm-hmm. Lizzie's older sister, Emma. And she mentioned the previous book that brought forth the possibility that Emma did it. And mm-hmm. that book was from 1992, and that was called 40 Wax. Okay. Horrible <laughs> title, but yeah. yeah. it a yeah. good book, though? It was excellent. That was well, excellent, sometimes too. Sometimes you have
0: have those, t- those titles but to I was, get it off the shelf. I
1: was convinced when I read that book, 40 Wax, that Emma had done it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, So when I went to vote here, that's why I I didn't get to comment because you have to create an account and all that. Mm -hmm. But I still think her sister did it. And Lizzie just happens to be the person there holding the bag. So if anyone's Mm -hmm. interested in that book, I highly recommend it. I, I think it's a great example of true crime. And just some weird tidbits. The house where the murders happened.
0: Is it a tourist attraction now?
1: It is a bed and breakfast.
0: Cool. Is it, do they play into that though? <laughs> oh, yes. Like the Lizzie Borden yes. house? Yes, I've
1: never been, but yeah. And you can, they do all kinds of special programs. And the people who bought it actually just bought Lizzie Borden's mansion, mm-hmm. which she moved into after the murders because mm-hmm. she got all this money, you know, from after her father died Mm -hmm. and so now they own both and I don't know what they're going to do with the Mm. other piece of property but talk about morbid you can sleep in the room where the stepmother was murdered and there are people that are really into that kind of thing but I'm not one of them but Mm -hmm. if I ever go to Boston I think I would like to visit at least and see
0: just not spend the night no never (laughs) never spend the night and Mm -hmm.
1: Salem's not too far from that either
0: and then you could go visit another right
1: yeah and then John Quincy Adams his estate is near there too. I think it's all within like an hour of Boston. Did so. he have his
0: own? Did he have a separate estate from his dad? Or dad, I don't know. A okay. No, I don't
1: know. I
0: don't okay. know. So, is there any any more books that you're you're doing right now?
1: One more. Uh, this is really a kind of a relaxing book for mm-hmm. me. Uh, the Secret in the Old Clock by Carolyn Keene. That for mm-hmm. all of you Nancy Drew fans, that's the first in the Nancy Drew series. Um, before I go to sleep at night, I just like to read. Light mm-hmm. things where I don't have to think too much, and my mainstay is Jane Austen. I usually mm-hmm. read her books over and over, and I'll read a chapter a night just mm-hmm. to clear my head. But just to change it up, I thought I'd yeah. read reread Nancy Drew, so that's why I got. That you book from plenty, our kids department.
0: You got plenty of books to go if you, if you want to do that. I don't know, it was like a hundred of those or something. I don't more. know. I or think like, there's I like 50 many, or 60. I don't know how many original, I think it's yeah. continued since she stopped writing right. passed away, but I'm not sure how many originals yeah. there are. are probably a 50 whole, or 60. Okay.
1: Yeah. Cause they've reincarnated her as for mm-hmm. modern times, but, yeah. um, that's just kind of a nice book where I don't have to think about anything. Just one chapter, turn mm-hmm. out the light, go to sleep. <laughs> well, that's good. And it, do you have any others? Because I just I, yeah, I have two more.
0: I don't have any other books. <laughs> I think you read way more than I do, as we can well, tell. Well, uh,
1: it has been three or four weeks since we met, so that's um, why.
0: I didn't bring any books on a vacation. I'd, read, I'd brought this other really? path test on vacation, but I didn't really have time to read it. That's it too bad.
1: Really,
0: yeah, it's just sort of. Tough. I do
1: my best reading on vacation, but then again, I vacation usually yeah. by myself. So I
0: was just up all night playing board games with my brother-in-law. Okay. So instead of reading, you were, we were socializing, we were playing board games. Okay. About birds because that's just the game he brought. It's about birds and stuff. That sounds
1: fun. The other two books I read, um, there's this author called Mark Manson, M-A-N-S-O-M, like Charles Manson, but no relation.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We have a hardcover book of his in the library. I can't say the title on the air because it's kind of got a swear word in it. Uh oh. But if you search Mark Manson as author, you'll find this wonderful book. It's Mm -hmm. a great book. I read it, but he also has a blog. Mm -hmm. and a website and he had two free ebooks you could download one was on self knowledge and one was on relationships Mm -hmm. very short they were almost like magazine articles so I read both of those and we Mm -hmm. know I like personal growth so Mm -hmm. I highly recommend him
0: he's he's he the guy that wrote the subtle subtle art of of not
1: giving a yes
0: okay that's what I thought yeah yeah have you heard of him no I haven't heard of him oh okay I mean, I remember another book he wrote. I was like, I probably could have written that book.
1: It's a great book.
0: Because it really is. it Seems like how I live my life, and I was like, Well, knew, it's it's I a good way. I, have, I, I think it's I a good way. I knew I could have made millions of dollars writing my life. I would have done it. I don't it, know if he's
1: made millions, but
0: he's made he's made enough.
1: But interestingly enough, I mean, I don't know how psychotherapists would feel reading his stuff, but he he's very readable. But he is not a psychotherapist. He mm-hmm. doesn't have a degree in that. He just. But what he talks about is very wise,
0: mm-hmm. I think. And yeah, experience counts for something. I think it does. You know, so, I mean, even if you're not licensed or whatever, you could at least, you know, be like, this is what happened to me, and this changed yes. this, and his it was like, better, better for me. I'm sure there's a disclaimer. It's like, you know, I am not a medical professional. You know, don't take this, mm-hmm. like, for face value. But exactly, you know, and he says that. Whatever, just to cover himself.
1: And you can subscribe to his website. I haven't mm-hmm. done that, and get other articles and videos that he mm-hmm. does. And I think it's pretty reasonable. It's only like $40 a year or $50 mm-hmm. a year. I haven't done that, but I'm yeah. considering it.
0: That's like the new thing is like people, content creators just directly, you know, going to the people that they want to do. Mm-hmm. Cause like a lot of like YouTube people do that, like musicians do that now. You just pay like a monthly fee or a yearly fee and you get all this content or stuff that you're consuming anyway, you're like, well, Give them a few bucks since I do it all the time. Sure. And maybe you get some kind special of supporting bonus stuff like that's members only. Right. You get some exactly. Like better stuff than like the the public might get like right. the soup, but the the members get the salad too. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, true. It's like a new, especially you know, with the internet and all that stuff around, it's just easier for mm-hmm. them to connect to uh, their fans yep. and everything.
1: So that's all I read while well, we've been apart.
0: You read way more than I did.
1: Well. <laughs> That's just the way it goes. All right, so let's <laughs> just take a
0: little break and then we'll when we get back we'll talk about the other things that we've been doing. Yes. We can talk about the other things that we've been doing.
1: Um, Why don't you
0: start us? I have been watching some TV, mm-hmm. well, this past three weeks and recently. Um, I just finished Russian Doll. That's a Netflix show about, it's sort of like about this character that keeps dying over and over again. It's sort of like Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. But instead of like waking up. Like, she just dies, and then she comes back to where she started, but she retains all the information that she learned and, like, sort of trying to figure out how to, like, do it. It's sort of, like, played as a comedy for a little bit because, like, when it first starts happening, she's, like, worried about everything. Like, she's like, I'm not going down these stairs. I'm not gonna do this, I'm not gonna do that. So sort of plays it as a comedy for a little bit, and then she meets uh, this person in an elevator that's experiencing the same thing. Uh-oh. And then, like, they, you know, the elevator, you know, fails and they die. And then it's hmm. like, and then it's like, but she knows that there's another person that experiences it. So like, then she tries to find him and they sort of try to work it together, why it's happening and all that stuff. So it, it's pretty good. I mean, I liked it a lot. It's sort of like interesting, like, because it's sort of like play like a video game. And they're oh, sort of really? like They work in the video game industry, but it's sort of like how like video games sort of work because like you get to a certain point in a video game, like you get to a part, you're like, oh, you didn't get past that part. To go back to where you where you were last saved, but you you sort of retain all the information. So it was interesting. Oh, okay,
1: so you're kind of smarter going forward. Yeah. I see. That's sort of like okay.
0: what this was about. And then it's sort of I don't want to spoil anything, but it just it's just a well, fun. Well, I'm ride. not going to be like watching it, but eight episodes, <laughs> and they're only like a half hour long each. But the production values are pretty good. You know that there's a song. I don't know what actually the title of the song is, but it's like it's like a recurring theme in the show because like you very
1: know. catchy. You like it?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, the song it's an older song. Like it's an actual like famous song. I don't remember what it's called. I'll hmm. put it in the podcast notes. Okay. Um but it's just I'd sort be of, interested to see if it's from my it's, era. <laughs> it could be. Um but it's sort of like every time like she comes back to the bathroom, like it starts playing again and just sort of hmm. plays and everything. But it's really fun.
1: How so, old is the character?
0: The character Your age? is older than I am. How old? She I don't know, when 37, 38. Oh, not much older. So okay. she's older than me. Okay. I don't know if she's a millennial or Gen single? X. Single?
1: No, she's in not Gen sh- X.
0: In the show, she's single. Okay. Um, and everything. And it's her birthday party. It's sort of she like, thinks
1: she's nuts? Because this is happening uh, to her?
0: Yeah. It starts out that way. Then hmm. it's sort of like, think. then it's like, whatever. But then, it is interesting. It's just an interesting premise for a TV show. That yeah, it is. It, it really, sounds very original. That, was really, that was really fun. Amy Poehler is an executive producer of the show. Oh, okay. Um, so if you like Amy Poehler.
1: Okay. And you have you Netflix?
0: And you have Netflix. That's important. Um, then you can watch this show. Um, okay. Obviously, Game of Thrones premiered on Sunday, so I watched that with great interest. Okay. Enough interest that we recorded a podcast about it before the show. All right. So if you like Game of Thrones, you can listen to David and I talk about that on the the other episode that's going to get released today. Um, and then I've also I caught up on Grand Tour. what's that it's a car show it's about like the three guys were originally were on top gear and then the one guy was fired and they moved to another network and they just drive super expensive cars that i'll never touch
1: is this a documentary is it a it's like drama
0: it's a neither it's like documentary more okay like they just talk about cars and they do you know specials like sometimes they like talk about like a famous formula one driver Okay. Like do special like that and special cars? Like they talked about NASA and about how like the Corvette was like the astronauts' car. Oh, really? And it was I didn't interesting because apparently Chevrolet tried to give the astronauts a car for free, but since they are federal employees, like they couldn't actually accept it. Oh, sure. It. Right. So like they had an agreement that like they would lease it for a dollar. So like all <laughs> okay. they gave astronauts nice. the Corvettes to make it look like that was like the astronauts' car to probably you know help sell it. I
1: never and knew
0: that. And then one of the characters in the show. They actually, some, someone actually tracked down Neil Armstrong's Corvette,
1: okay. and then they
0: had it on the show when he was driving around. You know. So,
1: is this like just anything to do with cars in history, present yeah, it's, day, kind of like just talking current, about your what mostly you? Mostly
0: current cars, but okay. like it's mostly like the reason why I like it so much is like it's like the hosts have really good chemistry with each other. Uh-huh. They sort of mess around with each other, it's sort of slapstick comedy okay. sometimes. Because okay. I do go yeah. on these specials. Where like they go to a place and they, like, they're told to like get to this other part of this without any sort of directions. They had a map. Okay. They got dropped in Mongolia. They had, to build, <laughs> they, had to, they had to build a car that was, you know, parachuted to them and they had to get to this town. And they just, oh had, my a ma- gosh. They just had a map. And they wow. just basically just had to get there based on this map. They got they knew where they were. They knew where they were going. But they didn't have, there was no roads they're in the middle of the desert, huh. like the whatever. And well, they weren't really alone because they had the... Well, they had the, the crew, crew, obviously. The crew, yeah. But the crew generally doesn't doesn't help them. Sure. Like, they just film and stuff. But it's cool because they have, like, really good cinematography. Because, hmm. like, Amazon okay. just gave them all the money in the world. Of course. So, like, they have, like, all these wide shots of, like, scenery, like, untouched by humans, like, hmm. forever. Except the car. Well, except the car. Yeah. But it's just really nice <laughs> and just, just interesting. Even if you don't like cars, I think it's just a fun show to watch hmm. for a little Are bit. Are the
1: hosts both men?
0: They're all men. There's oh, three, of three course. guys. But the driver they have that, you know, they have like this racetrack mm-hmm. where they just, you know, see which car is the best. So every week or so they have like, they sort of do a little in-depth car review. Mm-hmm. And then they have the driver race around the track to see how fast It can go around the track. And the driver is actually a woman. Okay. So she's a better driver. When you than, say
1: car review, like reviews of current cars, like yeah, Consumer current, Reports does?
0: Yeah, but if, you, if Consumer Reports was only for people that could afford like Ah, half a million to I two see. million dollars. I see luxury cars. Yeah, like super. So luxury. they're not going to do like a Honda Fit. No. Okay. Gotcha. No, they're going to do like <laughs> Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Porsches. Okay. And stuff cars that I'll never drive. Yeah,
1: Grand Tour, I guess, kind of does allude to a lofty. Yeah. but title. it's it's
0: just fun, you know. Just you know, just a good fun show. To and what what where That's is this? That's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. So, it's a Video. streaming. Yeah, it's oh, okay. just Amazon's got their own so streaming. So, this is service. not on DVD? or It is not Canopy on DVD. I don't think anything. it is on DVD. I don't think Amazon's released mm. it on DVD. Okay. Um, and then I've been okay. watching Santa Clarita Diet. That's another Netflix show. Drew Barrymore and Tim Oliphant are on that show. TV show? TV show.
1: So, that means like multiple episodes. Yeah,
0: this one's like 10 episodes, and the season three just released, and it's sort of about a, a comedic view of being a zombie. Because sometimes think, oh, zombie shows or stuff try to be, like, gory or dramatic or stuff. I think they're funny, and even then this, when they're gory. <laughs> and then this one's just more like a, you know, trying to, like, live just a normal suburban lifestyle where the mom oh, happens to be a gosh. zombie and, like, all the stuff that goes along with that and okay. stuff. So it's, it's pretty fun. All right. And Timothy Oliphant is a national treasure, and he should be in everything.
1: Never heard of him. so I oh. learned something new. Mm-hmm. I've heard of Drew Barrymore, but...
0: Yeah, Drew Barrymore is, like, the star. Like, this is a First TV show, so it's sort of a big deal that they got her. But Timothy sure. Oliphant's been in a lot of stuff. Okay. He's in Deadwood, he's in Justified. He's been around for a while. He's been on TV okay. for a while, but seeing him in a comedic role is really, really good. And is Drew
1: Barrymore of... funny in
0: this? Drew Barrymore is funny. She's kind of like more of the straight character because like everything's yeah. sort of happening to her. Oh so like okay. the things she says are like like you sure. know, she's like dead plays pan. it straight. Gotcha. And Timothy Oliphant's sort of like the awkward husband that has to deal with like his wife that's dead but oh. not dead. And the, anti- like the antics and shenanigans that go along with all that.
1: And how long are these episodes? Like Each? a half hour.
0: Mm. It's pretty quick.
1: I could see how people are addicted to television. I don't. I mean, I own a television, yeah. but I only watch movies I want yeah. to see. And now that the weather's getting nice, mm-hmm. I'm not really watching yeah.
0: movies. It's hard to watch, binge watch stuff. Like half hour is like a good episode length to like watch a bunch. But then at the same time, like I'll watch like 45 minute episodes at a time. Wow. Like TV just doesn't seem... Like, episodes don't register to me as long-term until after I've watched, like, seven in a row. Wow. I'm like, oh, I probably could have watched that movie. Oh, I see. But it's like, I'm just so invested in the show. I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything, and it's on. <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to, you know, keep going. So I was like, oh, it's like midnight. Okay. Wow. But that's sort of, that's how Netflix gets you. Ah. and they keep playing glad the, I don't have They keep then. playing the episode, too. So after the episode ends, it just starts the next one right away. Hmm. So, like, if you don't think about it, you're like... Do I want to watch this? Oh, I guess I'm watching it. Started.
1: Okay, I see. (laughs) Hmm. Well, I've been watching DVDs. Mm -hmm. And for fun, I I watched. Have you ever heard? You probably have never heard of this show. Mama's Family
0: Mm
1: -mm. with Vicki Lawrence. Uh, No. You ever heard of Vicki Lawrence? No. Oh my gosh, I'm aging myself. Yes, Vicki Lawrence was Carol Burnett's protege. And when the Carol Burnett on the show, show on the actual show on the or Carole, like in real life. Both. Okay. And the Carol Burnett show in the seventies when I was a little kid. hmm Carol Burnett had a show and kind of like Saturday Night Live, we're laughing. They had these mm-hmm. vignettes. And Vicki Lawrence kind of like was a younger version of Carol Burnett. Mm-hmm. And she had this character called Mama. And she mm-hmm. played an old woman. And okay. but a, it was kind of like a southern
0: so was this like southern a,
1: older matriarch.
0: So was this a sh- almost a redneck so this kind of thing? Show that was sort of like a spinoff from that yes. ch- show character and character. Yes. Turned into a show based right. on that one character.
1: And this was in okay. the early '80s when I was in high mm-hmm. school, and mm-hmm. it was on television. And it's was that
0: when TV didn't have commercials.
1: No, <laughs> there was commercials. But you know what's interesting in watching these older. DVDs is Mm -hmm. I get to actually see how long an episode was like today. There's so many commercials and I think an episode of mama's family was like 20, 21 minutes, which means there were only like eight minutes of commercials back then. That's
0: still pretty typical now.
1: No, I think it's shorter. I think it's a lot shorter. I think they always
0: block it off for 20 minutes. It's like, they get, like, I think, especially in the network, like they really try to keep it really? to that. Well, sometimes like the cable channels will be different. Like there's more flexibility okay. with that. And like, especially nowadays, like they want to give the writers just, if they want to make a sure 37 minute episode, they'll be like, Who cool, we'll do 37 minutes. We'll fill an hour. So you get like a whole bunch more commercials, okay. but they'll, like they'll do it if there's longer, like than the normal length, like sometimes we'll get yeah. like 50 minutes. It's just tough. Like, the landscape's tough now for TV. Like well, network would TV. <laughs> network TV has always basically been the same, because that's how they make their money, As yeah. ads. Like, that's the right. only way that they really make money. That's how they sell the ads. So that's why when shows get canceled, is because they're not watching, people aren't watching the shows. Sure. So, like, advertisers can just be like, well, no one's watching it, so I'm going to give you $5 for this 30-second okay. spot.
1: Well, this is a silly show, and um, I was just watching that, actually, because it was three weeks ago, and it was a lot colder. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and a friend of mine lent me a DVD set of Harold Lloyd silent films. I think I talked about that briefly last time we were talking about Buster Keaton. Mm-hmm. And I also watched two movies from the 1990s when I was a
0: mm-hmm.
1: young woman in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And I, they were actually movies I saw before, but I wanted to see them again. They both start Tony Collette. Have you ever heard mm-hmm. of her? Yeah. Well, this was when she was getting started, and. I watched Muriel's Wedding mm-hmm. and Clock Watchers. And Muriel's Wedding was not as funny as I remembered it. it mm-hmm. It's very dark, even though it stars the music of ABBA,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: which I do love, by the way. I'll admit it. I like ABBA music. Do you
0: like Mamma Mia?
1: I am not familiar with that. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Abba. I, I think, think it's. A, I think it uses the music of ABBA. Yeah. But anyway, Muriel's Wedding is an Australian film, and... Mm-hmm. It was a good movie, but it was very sad. And after I watched it, I was feeling kind of sad after mm-hmm. seeing that. So I got another one of her movies called Clock Watchers, and this was about temporary workers. Mm-hmm. And stars Tony Collette, Lisa Coudreau, who was in mm-hmm. Friends, and Parker Posey,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who starred in a movie I keep telling you to watch called Party Girl, about mm-hmm. a librarian. But that one was a lot... More, I don't want to say lighter because the life of temporary workers is pretty dismal. But it was really good. I really liked it. Was it
0: comedy? There were comic moments.
1: Okay. um, But it was it left me with a better feeling because in that movie, Toni Collette had a big role, like in Muriel's Wedding. But Mm -hmm. you got the feeling that she was going to be okay in
0: that one. Yeah. So it's not like Office Space, where it's. I never saw that. No,
1: I keep hearing about it, but I haven't seen it.
0: I don't know, office space just gets more relevant as time goes on, probably. Really? It was made in like 1997. That's about or the something. year Clockwatchers
1: Watchers came out.
0: It, it's it's always interesting, like, these movies come out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Armageddon and Deep Impact. It's like studios are just fighting. It's like, well, we're going to make the better one. Right. Well,
1: thing. what's interesting about Muriel's Wedding and Clock Watchers is when I first saw them, mm-hmm. they were at the Detroit Film Theater at the DIA. Mm-hmm. So they were indie films, you know, they were not mm-hmm. necessarily mainstream. Yeah. So um, I forgot about that. So I, I enjoyed both of those. And I also went to the movie theater and saw one new film. It's called Gloria Bell, mm-hmm. stars Julianne Moore. And it's about a woman who's maybe like 10 years older than me, but along the same lines of Lifestyle, you know, divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got adult children and it's about her navigating the relationships with her adult children and starting mm-hmm. to date again.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's, it's kind of a, it's a remake of a Chilean film by the same name called okay. Gloria Bell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't see the original film, but I've, I've heard people mm-hmm. talking about it, but I wanted to see it and a friend and I went and yeah, I thought it was very good. It was at the Patriot theater at the War Memorial. Okay. Um, but I saw it at the um, AMC forum. And mm-hmm. Sterling Heights. Yeah. So that was really good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And yeah. those are all the movies I watched. But now, like I said, now that the weather's nice, I pretty much don't mm-hmm. like to watch movies unless yeah. it's too hot to be outside, which yeah. I like the hot weather, so that doesn't happen too often.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've watched zero movies. I just didn't watch any movies this past three weeks. So just television shows? Just TV shows. Um, so okay. I was on vacation, so didn't watch much, do any TV really on vacation. That's good. I really do anything on vacation. We just, like, I am just in vacation mode, so just sort of chilling. That's good. Not doing too much of anything. Um, but I have been, I was listening because, you know, we drove to Florida. so Right. I found out that my thumbs-up playlist of all the music I've ever liked is long enough to get me from Michigan to Florida without repeating a song. Wow. Um, so that was cool That's to find impressive. out. That's impressive. And then on the way back... We just listen to some podcasts and stuff.
1: Now, this these playlists that you drove to Florida with Mm -hmm. are these choices of songs that you and your wife both pick, or just just um, and she's okay with that? You picking it all? Sometimes,
0: well, she likes because like I listen to more music than her, so sometimes there'll be a song and she's like, "Nope." Okay. (laughs) Next, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, whatever." So it's fine. It's not like a slight against me. Just like yeah, she's got different tastes. For the most part, she likes all the stuff that. Well, that's you know, we good. like similar stuff, but there's definitely not overlap in certain areas. Sure. But
1: but she still had enough, even though she was skipping stuff.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think after a while, you know, when you're driving, I don't. I think you just sort of everything gets drowned out, so you might not even realize it. So she yeah. she drove, and you know, I drove. We switched, and then we took breaks and stuff. But it was it was good to know that I had enough music to keep us busy, or at least entertained for the long drive. That's good. And then we listened to some podcast on the way back. There was this one called uh, It's called Ninety Nine Percent Invisible. It's sort of like how design impacts our life in ways that we don't really understand. And then the one episode I listened to was called Palaces for the People. And it was about this guy who wrote a book, Palaces for the People, talking about social infrastructure and how investing in social infrastructure is the best way forward, probably. Because when communities that have high investment in social infrastructure, they have like less crime. you know, oh, better, I see. And all that stuff. Like you talked about libraries for a little bit. Yay. Even You talked about like Carnegie Library specifically. Yes. you know how Carnegie, you know, because he was such a horrible person in life, he was like, "I need a better legacy." So right. To give all these Built towns libraries, libraries yep. all over the place. To I ho-
1: worked in one in to Pittsburgh.
0: Hope, to hope people don't re- don't actually look into me even for it more than just libraries. <laughs> um, we talked about you know that and how communities often think the best way to like do to get better is to like have services that the library already provides, but they don't realize the library has it. I'm like, oh. talking about like story times, like computer right. access, like all yes. this stuff. They're like, yeah, like, he was like, yeah, you're talking about something that already exists. Right. But maybe they just don't know that it exists. We or, like, don't do not, a good job of marketing not, that. Or they're not close enough to the library to like get there. True. some people that are in those situations don't have, you know, access to transportation. Right. Stuff like that. So like the library is someplace that they really can't use. Okay. Um,
1: How do you find these podcasts? Like, um, do you just search for them. Yeah, or I just search refer? for them. Sometimes they're
0: on like the top charts, and then sometimes I'll just hear about them through other podcasts or some blogs that I follow. Okay. And they just do it, and and then part, then the other podcast I started listening to was based was like a side, like a spinoff of that show. It's called Articles of Interest. They're like half-hour episodes about how fashion, like impacts our life. Sort of like talked about how pockets you know, the whole pocket yeah. industry is like, you know, women back in the day actually had pockets. Yes. And then the media turned against that because they said that women shouldn't need pockets. If they were like a well off <laughs> woman, like they wouldn't need to carry anything.
1: Media being men.
0: <laughs> well probably at the probably at the time, probably. Right. Like, you know, that's not very womanly to we know, love carry pockets. To carry tools with you like like sewing stuff or just other stuff they might need. Um and that's sort of like still like in existence weird. today. Like that is weird. Um and then talked about blue jeans, how like they became mm. so ubiquitous because they were just so you know, so commonplace like apparently and the reason why they're blue is because indigo was like a like the biggest crop in the US okay. for a while. Like sure. it was like bigger than cotton, you know, until, you know, a certain turn and yeah. it was just easy to use to okay. dye stuff. Um, and everything and how jeans are not denim anymore like they're like there's a lot of synthetic material in them oh sure and it's causing like environmental problems because of all the spill off because yeah. they're using chemical dyes now right. instead of like actual indigo because it's like the process is super hard to actually get right and, huh. and raw denim is just people don't like raw denim because it's like not soft okay you have to like break it in it takes a while for it to like actually You have to wash it jeans. a lot yeah and then
1: wash them with rocks (laughs) and then like talk
0: about like hawaiian shirts like they were talking about like because like hawaii was like an interesting thing they talked about hawaiian shirts Mm -hmm. how that was like okay for business people to wear because it was so hot in hawaii but how that was sort of like the precursor for casual friday like that's how levi's or docker's found out like they were like oh these people could do that let's give them something that they could do and then like they were the people that went to the HR department to talk about how Friday should be, like, more casual. Like, business casual. And how it sort of turned into, like, almost every day's casual now. So... Like, business casual.
1: The people that did that podcast, are they, like, fashion historians? I think or... so. Like, they talk about
0: certain fashion historians. And, like, I think they're just somebody who was just interested in it. It's sort of, It's sort of, like, on the whole... That, the I'm whole just wondering what nine... the
1: research is to do these podcasts. Like, are they... I think they
0: do a little bit of research. So they do talk to experts. But, like, the whole 99% Invisible is the name of the original podcast. Right. And that's about how... There's these forces at play that you don't realize that are affecting your life. And oh, the sure. articles of interest is like about how fashion, like the stuff that we wear, right, is you know, has a whole long history of why it is the way it is. Okay. And they were talking yeah, about I could see that. you know, they're talking about plaid too, how that how oh, the history right. like it was just a Scottish thing. It's like actually called like tartan or right. something. Tartan. It's like what it's actually mm-hmm. called. Mm-hmm. And like clans in Scotland like had their yes. own like plaid. They still do, right. And then like how it became like a work like how you could identify people based on what they wore. Right. The plaid was, like, a working-class thing. And apparently, you know, it was, like, a like lesbians would wear it, too, okay. to identify, so they could, like, identify each other. Okay. And then now that it's become so ubiquitous, like, it's harder for people who used to wear those identifiers to, like, oh, identify people in their, you know, grouping. Okay. And then, like, apparently, like, you can apply for your own plaid. Like, you can actually... Oh, I believe go that. Online to, yeah. Scotland, like yeah. plaid. Yeah. And you could like pick your own colors and okay. get like a something mailed to you. Like it's like this is like the Kessler. This is what we created for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can actually create <laughs> even it if you're not Scottish. <laughs> yeah. It costs a They do deny. They do deny some, but they do say that you can do it. Like costs like hundred dollars or something. You get your own plaid. Oh my goodness. Like you make it yourself, then yeah. they, they send you like a a
1: swatch. Swatch. Okay. With it,
0: like hmm. Framed and stuff. But just interesting. Like I'm always interested in stuff like that.
1: Like Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld's interested in all this kind mm-hmm. of history stuff. Why is this the way it is? And yeah, I mean, it's true. That's it's interesting.
0: Yeah, I that's just like connecting dots that you yeah. know probably always been there but haven't really seen. So mm-hmm. just like pulling the rug out from the world, just seeing how all this stuff affects the world now.
1: Very interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Any music? Are you doing I the pick of listen- the week?
0: I was watch so much so many music. There's always music. I um, yeah. There's a music. Pick that I'll pick because I listened to it on the way here, and I was like, I like this song. I've heard. it I was like, I think I found it on the way. You know, I just find music because I hit the radio because, like, I have such a curated taste because I mm-hmm. like since I like so many songs mm-hmm. and so many artists. Like, they give me like a radio station and sort of find oh, like, right. new stuff. Oh right, like Pandora. Based on what? I, yeah, it's okay. like Pandora, but just I don't know if it's better or worse, but it's similar. Like I'll find new stuff based on that, and this artist called uh, Sky Fiera. I don't know how to pronounce it. Sky Fear. Yeah. Never heard of it. Okay. But it this really good song that you know, you know, they'll you know end the podcast with that sort of like electronic. I feel like all the songs I can memorize electronic and female vocals. Okay. So I definitely have a type of for music. But I like it, it sort of starts a lot of electronic and mumbling. And you know, then it sort of like fades into like actually singing and stuff It's pretty catchy. So okay. To do that. To have this for this. Okay, I'll we'll that week to the next episode. Check it Bye.
1: Bye.